We probably don't say it enough, but it's good to be saved, isn't it? Praise the Lord, good to be saved. All right, let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 10. And as you find it, before I forget it, let me make an announcement. Today is the final day in the foreseeable future that we will be live streaming our services. So I'm talking primarily to the camera now. Uh, Just many factors came into this decision. We are still going to record all of our services We will still post them online, but we will not be live streaming them. So those of you watching at home, uh, and I understand some people, it's beyond your ability to to be here, and it's not your fault. Um, So we're we're not trying to make it difficult for anybody in that way. Uh, But we would encourage anybody watching, come come on out for church. It's different when you're here. Amen. Uh, But nevertheless, we understand some people don't have access to to Bible-believing preaching, uh, to to Bible-based preaching. So we still are going to put it online, but just not during the actual service time. And this is, again, going to help our AV table quite a bit. It's a mission to get everything linked up and to have the internet connection hold up and so forth. So hopefully this is going to be a good way forward for us. So just bear that in mind. Luke chapter 10, today we're going to begin reading verse number 17. Luke chapter 10, verse number 17. We began looking last week at this special group, the 70, and how Jesus sent them out as, let's say, temporary apostles, I think is a good term for that. In verse 17, the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. What tremendous news. What what security. We'll talk more about that in a moment. Verse 20, notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit, And said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent. A little bit of sarcasm there. The people of the world called themselves wise and prudent. He says, Father, I'm glad you hid it from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father. And who the Father is but the Son, and He to whom the Son will reveal Him. And He turned Him unto His disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that ye see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. Today, I'd like to preach to you a very simple thought from a very complex passage. We're going to talk about this subject. We've got it good. We've got it really, really good. So if you would bow your heads, let's pray together, and then we'll start in. Father, thank you this morning. We can sing about sending out the light because one day, some time ago, you sent the light to us. Thank you, Lord. We can sing this morning, glory I'm saved, glory, I'm saved. My sins are pardoned, my guilt is gone. Lord, what a wonderful truth to know 
that our names are written in heaven. Father, today we want to rejoice in that and speak to hearts, Lord. Maybe just remind us today of how good we have it. And we ask for your help now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Some of my favorite times as a, as a young boy growing up was getting to go into my dad's bedroom and uh, he would be trying to go to sleep and I'd say, Dad, I'm not tired and, and uh, you know, just kind of want to spend time with Dad. My mom left when I was very young, so my sister and I were raised by a single dad, loved us dearly. And he would let me and my sister Pam crawl up on the bed and we'd say, tell us how it was when you were a little boy. And those are some of my fondest memories. My dad, I think he enjoyed getting to tell the stories. And he'd say, well, back in my day, you know, you know how those stories go, but, well, back in my day. And, and a lot of times, the story would start back in my day, or kids, let me tell you, you don't know how good you have it. <laughs> and then he'd start telling me about his childhood. And I can see several of you older folks are going, you're, you're right there with me. You understand, you've heard it, and maybe said it. I'm, of, I'm old enough now to where I've said that to my kids too. Kids, you don't know how good you have it. <laughs> but then he'd start telling me about how he'd have to do the chores every morning before going to school because they lived on a farm. And every afternoon after he got home from school, right back to work on the farm, they'd get up before, before the sun was up, my dad was up, he and his brothers, and they'd walk to school. Now, you know how the stories often go. Somehow it was uphill both ways. I, I, I don't know how that works. <laughs> My dad, he was raised as a Roman Catholic, and he would stop at church on the way to school every day and act as the altar boy. And then on the way home, he'd stop at church again at another mass, another Catholic service, and, and uh, perform the function of an altar boy again. So he was in church twice a day, every day. He would bathe about once a week. They, just, they didn't have the facilities for it. So once a week, they get to bathe, and when you're working on a farm... Man, my dad would, he'd tell me about his fishing expeditions, which never, never had anything to do with a rod and a reel. He would go down to the, now, and this is, this is American English, they go down to the creek. Do you guys know what the creek is? That's a creek. A, a sprite, in Afrikaans a sprite, so you'll add sprite, but in America it's a creek. The real way to say it is creek. You go to the creek, but in southern English that's the creek. And he'd, he'd take his shoe off, take his sock off, stick his toe down in the water and wait for a snapping turtle to grab onto one of his toes. And then he would catch, he'd catch the turtle by letting the turtle catch him. <laughs> he'd tell us stories about how they didn't have a TV and they didn't have a radio. You know what they had for entertainment? Brothers and sisters. <laughs> you sit around talking to each other. Amen. That, 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 all of a sudden, that sounds pretty good, actually, after, after the trash you get on the TV and radio and computers and everything these days. But my dad would just go through these stories, and uh, we would just drink them in and take it in, because it was a whole other world compared to the one we were growing up in. And things change so quickly, the day and age in which we live now. Technology advances so fast. By the time my grandkids are old enough to hear these stories and appreciate them, it'll be a completely different world. And my dad would hold us tight and say, kids, you just don't know how good you have it. And, and, and I thought about that this week when I read this passage. I thought, you know what? I wonder, I wonder how often the goodness of God just passes us by and we just don't understand how good we have it. 
The 70 came back, verse 17, and they came again with joy. Well, amen. I, I would too. They just got to go on a preaching expedition. They got to preach the gospel. They got to heal the sick. They got to cast out devils. They got to do things that very few people ever in the history of the world will ever be able to do. Our ministry today does not look exactly like their ministry then, right? We don't have these miraculous powers to accompany the gospel message that we're preaching, nor do we need it. The word has been confirmed. But nevertheless, any time you get to come back home knowing that you have done the will of God, that's a cause for joy. You got to serve the Lord. There is no greater honor. There is no better use of your time. They came back with joy. Well, amen. I don't blame them for that. But they said, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. They were impressed at the power that they had been given. Now, this can be okay as long as you keep recognize, or recognizing that that power did not originate with you. That power was given to you. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. That was something special that God bestowed upon you for a special cause. Jesus, I think, is going to help them appreciate just how good they had it, how special it was, but also there's a warning involved. Verse 18, he said unto them, Guys, if you thought it was special to see a few devils come out, I beheld Satan fall from heaven as lightning. <laughs> he said, you know why you're able to overcome these devils and why you're able to cast them out? Because long ago... Satan, whom we created, we that he and the Father, he rebelled. And I fell, I saw him, it says, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. I know the source of the devil's downfall. These individual demons you're casting out, it goes back to the, the devil having been cast out from heaven as lightning. Understand where the problem came in. The devil was an incredibly intricate creature, beautiful. He had tabrets and pipes built into him. He could sing very beautifully. He was, he was wise. He was smart. He was powerful. He had a, a great position on the mountain of God. You can read about this in Ezekiel 28, but it went to his head. And, and since that time, the devil, he, he rebelled. He, he thought, let me, let me run things, God. I'm smart enough. I'm powerful enough. And that pride got him lifted up. And, and ever since that beginning time, when that sin entered into him, he has constantly been out to try to prove God wrong. To try to prove, God, you, you did me wrong. You should have let me run things. And, and this problem has persisted even to this day. He's still trying. Even though he cannot overcome, he won't give up. He just hangs on to that pride. This goes right down into the life of Christ. When Jesus shows up and he gets baptized, you folks know that right then the devil turned up the heat. Because the devil knew that this is now the time when he is going to begin ministry. Amen. He goes out into the wilderness and the Bible says he was tempted of the devil for 40 days. And at the end of the 40 days, the devil came in with three specific temptations trying to overthrow him before he ever got started. Every time the answer was, it is written, it is written, it is written. You overcome the devil by knowing your Bible. And knowing which verses to apply to whatever temptations he's giving. The devil didn't give up there. 
The devil tried to kill Jesus many times. They, he would gather crowds around and they would try to throw him off a cliff or take and arrest him early and various things just to try to interrupt the plan of God. Because the devil knows that there was a prophesy, there was a prophetical version of Jesus' death. And if Jesus doesn't die in that prophetical way, if he doesn't die on a Roman cross, then the scripture has been broken. So if the devil can have him tossed off a cliff, well, that overthrows the scripture. And one time after another, God keeps thwarting the devil's plans until eventually the devil realizes here he goes to the cross. And now that Jesus is on the cross, well, the devil doesn't want him to die. You ever wondered about that? Throughout his life, the devil's trying to get him to die early because then you, you're dying in an unbiblical way. But now that you're on the cross, you remember what he says? The people come by and say, if thou be the son of God. You know what the devil said to him in the wilderness? If thou be the son of God, turn these stones to bread. Remember? That's, that's the devil there at the cross working through those people saying, if thou be the son of God, come down. Why? Because now that you're on the cross, we don't want you to die like this. Come down. Still trying. Won't give up. Jesus dies that biblical death, the death that was determined before the foundation of the world, that he had to die in our place. The devil still didn't give up. So lifted up with pride, so determined, so stubborn. Just downright stubborn. Stubbornness comes out of the pits of hell. I'm just going to prove my point. I don't care who says what. I'm right. So then Jesus dies. The devil says, well, the prophecy is that he's going to come back out of the grave in three days. So we need, we need to do everything we can to keep him in that grave. They roll a stone in front of it. and Let's seal it up and get it nice and tight. Make sure that he doesn't get out. You can see the devil who had the power of death each day going down there, making sure that he has a songbook. <laughs> where'd, where'd all the songbooks go? Let's borrow that one there. Each day, each day down, going down, just, just checking, making sure. Jesus still in the grave? Did he come up? Are we going to keep him down? After the first day, everything looked pretty fine. There he was, body's not moving. The Bible says that the soul of Jesus had gone down into, I think in Afrikaans, let's say, he went down into hell, the Bible says, his soul. His body was in the grave and the devil every day just checking, making sure he's still there. Day one, still there. And the devil's thinking, okay, so far so good. Day two, still there. I can, you can probably see the devil maybe asking some of his little demon runners, you know, going, hey, is he still there? We, do we still have the sting of death in him? Everything fine? Don't worry, he's not moving. Boss, we got him covered. We got it, see, he's sealed in. He's not going through there. Don't you worry. Day three, devil shows up. Is he still there, boys? Oh, we got him. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. He's not getting out. He can't get away from us. We got him. And then shortly after that third day, because Jesus said after three days and three nights. I, I, I wonder, in my mind, this is how the story goes. Death cannot keep his prey. 
Jesus, my Savior, he tore the bars away. Jesus, my Lord. And right about then, there's a rumbling. And the ground starts to shake, and there's the earthquake coming down, and angels come down, and up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose, and God has the angels move that stone back, not because Jesus needed to get out, he was already out. They moved the stone back just so that everybody else could see <laughs> the devil lost. <laughs> you lost, you death could not keep his prey. Jesus is telling his apostles here, these temporary apostles, guys, I know it's impressive that you saw the devil fall, but I've been seeing him fall and fall and fail and fail, and, and he's going to continue to fail. His fate is sealed. He'll never win. As soon as you begin to rebel against God, it's a downward cycle that never works out. He says in verse number 19, guys, let me tell you just how secure it is. So in verse 18, it's the source of the power and then the security of it. In verse 19, behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Now, I don't think he's talking about physical serpents and scorpions. This would then limit the power of the devil to an actual snake in an actual grass. You understand the spiritual world manifests itself in these types of shapes and forms. When the Holy Spirit came down, what shape did he have? A dove. He can appear as in that bird-like shape. So unclean spirits take on various shapes and sizes, sometimes a serpent, sometimes a scorpion. They can appear as ravens, owls, cormorants, bitterns. You read in the book of Isaiah, they can appear as a satyr, half man, half goat. They have all kinds of shapes and sizes. The point being, Jesus said, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Gentlemen, he says, you have some special power. You have some, some special security. You know how these men eventually died? Horrible deaths. But as long, he said, what he's telling them is, guys, as long as I've put this special hedge about you and as long as you are called upon by God to minister, nothing's going to hurt you. Guys, the armor of God that he's given you will accomplish its purpose. You understand the ministry they were given to do, they were able to perform and nothing the devil tried to do to stop them from performing that ministry worked. They were able to perform that special ministry all the way to the end. And then when God was done, God pulled the hedge away and they were able to die. But even then, even then, death is almost, it, it takes on a different perspective. You're no longer scared of it. The Bible says to, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And all of a sudden, even when the devil's trying to take you down, he's just pushing you farther up. We may not have the special ministry and unique powers that these men have, but I tell you this, we have some great spiritual power that's been given to us by Christ. How many of you remember this verse in Ephesians 6? We have spiritual armor, yes? We're supposed to put on the whole armor of God. And one of those pieces is the shield of faith, right? You folks help me out. You folks have been reading your Bible. You take that shield of faith, which is able to quench how many of the fiery darts? 
all, all, all the fiery darts of the wicked one. There's not one thing the devil can throw at you that the shield of faith cannot handle. Now, listen, if you don't hide behind the shield of faith, that's on you. If you want to get proud and rebellious and stubborn and prove God, prove to God that you're going to do it your way, well then, you're in for a time. But he's given you a shield of faith that will always work. He's given us some spiritual security. He's given us the gospel of Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation. It can take the spiritual darkness and blindness of anybody, no matter how deep in the pits of sin they are, that gospel can free them from that sin and bring them back to God. It can change lives, complete 180 change. Amen? Isn't that right? Didn't it change you? What a privilege to be involved in a ministry where we get to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ, how they can be saved, changed, and become conformed to His image. I think there's quite a bit to rejoice in in that. But look at verse number 20. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not, that the spirits are subject unto you. Jesus acknowledges, yes, Satan is going to fall. He has fallen. He's going to keep falling. And guys, yes, you have some special and unique abilities and a great privilege to serve, but be careful. Because as soon as you start looking inward at what you can do for God, as soon as that becomes the source of your joy to say, look at how powerful I am. Look at how great God has made me. Look, look at what I can do. I can preach. I can form a church. I can, I can give a message that will change a person's life. It's not about you. Satan is always going to lose. Yes. And be careful that you don't end up following in his footsteps. 70, I understand why you're rejoicing. And truth be told, they probably didn't know how good they had it. They probably didn't understand the depths of verse 19. Amen. I doubt that they understood just how strong the hedge of God's protection is. They probably didn't understand how much they were able to do. And the same is true for you and I. We probably don't know how good we have it. And he says, guys, be careful. Because the devil was also a very incredible creature, very specially gifted and uniquely made by God. And as soon as pride entered in, like lightning, he fell. It can take you down like that. So there's a bit of a warning in verse number 20. Don't get inward. Don't start looking inward and thinking, well, looky, looky here. Look at how God is using me. All of a sudden, you end up like the Corinthian church. You start showing up to show off. Look at, look at who I am. Look at what I can do. Listen to how great the sermon is. It's not about the messenger. It's about the message. It's wonderful to hear a beautiful singing voice, but never forget it's, it's the message of that song. It's not about what we can do for the Lord, but rather what He has done for us. He says in verse number 20, Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. It's not about what you can do for the Lord, but rather what He has done for you. If that is going to be the source of your joy, listen to this, please. You'll never run out of joy. 
How can you have a bad day? Because every day that you're saved, your name is still written in heaven. That fact never changes. I'm not saying you're not going to have some tough days and there won't be some difficulties along the way, but that truth never changes. My name is written in God's record book. Years ago, the 3rd of August, 1996, when I asked Jesus Christ to save me, all of heaven peeked over and went, what's happening down there? There's a sinner kneeling down in his pastor's living room calling upon the name of the Lord. And that's when the angels start to gather around. Oh boy, here we go again. All right, somebody get the book. Get the book. Go get the book. Which book? You know the book. The book. The book of life. Get it, get it. And they bring it out and they open it up there and and they have it out. And one angel takes that quill and dips it in the blood of Jesus and writes, Michael James Flick, forgiven. And that's about the time the Bible says that the angels begin to rejoice, right? When one sinner repents, the the angels begin to rejoice. That's a reason to rejoice, and it will never change. If your rejoicing is found in what you do for God, well, then if you do a little less, your, your joy goes down. And then if somebody else does more than you, all of a sudden it becomes a contest. Oh, he got to do more than me. Oh, that's not right. I'm better than that. I could do that better. And now it's comparing yourselves among... And that's not what God intended. He's warning these men, yes, I want to use you and you have some abilities and, I, and I've, I've set it up so that you can be profitable ministers to me. But if you're not careful, the tools I've given you can actually be turned against you. Because if Satan cannot use your weaknesses, he'll use your strengths to take you down. Remember, it was the, Satan, it was the devil's strengths that caused him to fall, not his weaknesses. The devil will try to use your victories against you and make you think you're something you're not. Rather, keep your focus on what God has done for you. That there was a day when God declared you righteous. He justified you. He washed away all your sins, threw them into the depths of of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. Back in 2018, many of you remember I had vocal surgery. I had a polyp on one of my vocal cords and I had to have it removed, the polyp that is, and my recovery didn't go quite as planned. They told me I could probably be back to preaching within two weeks. Five months later, I still wasn't right. I could speak, but I didn't know if I'd ever be able to carry on full-time in the ministry again. And I must admit, that was one of the scariest times in my life, a very dark time in my life because of this. God, if I'm not able to preach then what am I? Am I not useless? I'm like a guitar without strings. I, I, I can't make the proper sounds for you, Lord. That was a very dark time because I thought, well, then, God, you might as well just take me out. And there were times where I thought that would be better for me to just die and go home to glory and be done with it. But the problem was I was looking at what I could do for him rather than what he had done for me. Because whether or not I can speak or sing, whether or not my vocal cords are in bad or good condition, the fact remains my name is written in heaven. And that'll never change. When my vocal cords were messed up, I still had it good. And when you're having what you would classify as a bad day, you're still saved. And you still have it good. You still have it so good that you can't even count all the ways you have it good. (laughs) 
That's how good you got it. Sometimes we lose sight of that bigger picture. It's not just that one thing I can do for the Lord, but what God at one point welcomed me home and said, you are now in my family. I'm going to seat you up here in heavenly places right next to me. And I am now joined to you and you're joined to me and nothing can separate you from my love. You're in. You're so deep in. You're hid in Christ, in God. What a great situation. Folks, we got it good. We got it really good. And I believe that leads us to the next part of the passage in verse 21. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit. So Jesus has a few minutes to reflect on this. In that hour, he rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth. If I understand, I'm not sure he's saying this out loud. He's maybe saying this in his spirit. Perhaps it's also out loud, but Jesus is now talking directly to his Father. I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. You know, these apostles that he was calling on, they were unlearned and ignorant men. And Jesus is rejoicing because God has resisted the proud and is giving grace unto the simple. You know what I love about this? You don't have to be super intelligent to have a walk with God. You don't have to be well-educated to be saved and have your name written in heaven. I'm so glad that I don't have to come to God with any special abilities in order for Him to love me and receive me. I can come to God a broken sinner with nothing to offer. Say, God, here I am. I'm just a mess. And he says, I specialize in messes. (laughs) I'll take your case. And Jesus is rejoicing at the way the Father operates. That all these rich, super smart, intellectual, doctor, apostle, reverend, so-and-so, you know, with all these titles by their name, God just goes right past them to these little unlearned, ignorant fishermen and says, I'm going to give them powers that no one else has ever received and use them like no one's ever been used. That's the guy God would use. Jesus rejoiced in that. He said, for so it seemed good in thy sight. Listen, God hates pride. I cannot emphasize that enough. God hates pride. In Proverbs chapter 6, the Bible says, These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto Him. You know the first thing in the list? A proud look. God hates it. He looks down at that and he says, I think you've forgotten where you came from. I I think you've somehow got it in your head that you're a self-made man. That's what happened with the devil. Look at how beautiful and powerful and special I am, forgetting who made him like that. Verse 22, all things are delivered to me of my Father. So everything that Jesus has been preaching, all the miracles he's been doing, the Father has commanded him to do those things. Why? He's trying to accomplish a very specific goal. He says, and no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father. Amen. There's not one person, even to this day, that fully understands how great Jesus Christ is. You know who knows that? The Father. Just the Father. And who the Father is but the Son. Yeah, amen. We're not going to figure that part of it out either. We cannot, guys, no matter how, how much intellectual power, how much studying, how much discussion, debate we have, we're never going to figure God out. When he starts telling us about the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one, I fully expect that to be beyond my understanding. 
I'd be disappointed if it wasn't. I don't want to worship a God who fits within my intellect. But watch, as great as he is, and my feeble English words are not enough to describe that. He says in verse 22 at the end, And who the Father is but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. He says, guys, you'll never figure us out unless we tell you. The only way you're going to know the depths of us, the depths of the Father, the Son, and we can include the Holy Spirit in there as He comes into the picture as time goes on. The only way you're going to know about them and how they feel about you is if God sends down that message. God sent His Son to reveal God to us, to explain Him in a way that we could understand it. So he didn't come down as an angel. He didn't come down on a mountain and just talk from a mountain because we'd never be able to wrap our heads around that. Jesus came down wrapped in human flesh right down here on our level so we could get it. Do you realize what a privilege that is? Because the majority of human history did not have access to that knowledge. There's 4,000 years in the Old Testament that they did not have the life the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you understand what a privilege we have? We have the written record of everything Jesus wanted us to know about Himself and the Father. There is no greater privilege that has ever been afforded to mankind. We have it good. Because we never could have gotten this on our own. You know what verse 22 is all about? Grace. Because you are not going to build yourself up to God God has to bring himself down to you and say, you want to know me? Here's how you get to know me. It was on this thought, verse 23. It says, and he turned him unto his disciples and said privately. So this is why I think perhaps verses 21 and 22, maybe it was an internal thought or maybe an internal conversation between the son and the father. But then he says this to his disciples in verse 23. Privately, he says, blessed are the eyes which see the things that ye see. So he's thinking on, you know what? Jesus is looking at mankind going, you, you guys never would have figured it out. You guys never would have been able to know me or to know the Father or have any access to us or be used by us. You would be so lost in sin. You'd be wandering around in the, sinfulness, or the darkness of your sins. And he leans over to him and he says, hey guys, you guys are blessed. That's what he does. He says, says, you guys got it good. You guys got it so good. Blessed are the eyes which see the things that ye see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them. Amen. David, Isaiah, Joshua, Moses... Zechariah, they, they, looked, they talked about these things. The prophet, the Bible says they searched diligently. What are these things we're prophesying about? What are, how are these scriptures going to come to pass? They waited and waited and for hundreds of years, nothing. And Jesus turns to these guys and says, the things that these generations of old have been waiting for, you guys are watching it unravel, right? Un, uh, come to pass right in front of you. It's happening. Here it is. Here we are 2,000 years later. We have seen the Bible fulfilled over and over again. We know the coming of the Lord draws nigh. We see the Bible happening before us. 
we got it good. God's given us the record. We can just follow along and follow the story and we can see it building up to this wonderful crescendo to one day you'll, you'll hear a trumpet sound and your faith will be turned to sight. And then and only then will you start to vaguely understand how good you have it. We got it good. We've got it good. You know, if there's one thing that will help you stay away from pride and prevent you from following into the... Or, following the footsteps of Satan and falling into the condemnation of the devil. And it's simply this, to rejoice in what God has done for you. Stay thankful. Don't let it get inward. Look at how great I am, how powerful I am, what I figured out, but rather just keep focused. Stay focused on how good God has been to me that he sent his son to explain God to us. I don't know if you're familiar with the song, but I figured it'd be a nice one to end with. Lately I've been looking back along this winding road to the old familiar markers of the mercies I have known. I know it may sound simple, but it's more than a cliche. There's no better way to tell you than to say... God's been good in my life. I feel blessed beyond my wildest dreams when I go to sleep each night. And though I've had my share of hard times, I wouldn't change them if I could. Because through it all, God's been good. Times replay and I can see that I've cried some bitter tears. But I felt his arms around me as I faced my greatest fears. You see, I've had more gains than losses, and I've known more joy than hurt as his grace rolled down upon me undeserved. Because God's been good in my life. I feel blessed beyond my wildest dreams when I go to sleep each night. And though I've had my share of hard times, I wouldn't change them if I could. Because through it all, God's been good. For God has been my Father, my Savior, and my friend. His love was my beginning, and His love will be my end. I could spend forever trying to tell you everything he is, but the best thing I can say is this, God's been good in my life. I feel blessed beyond my wildest dreams as I go to sleep each night. And though I've had my share of hard times, I wouldn't change them if I could. Because through it all, God's been good. Yesterday when we were out on the streets, and you see what happens to a man ravaged by sin. There, there go I, but for the grace of God, there go I. I am what I am. Only by the grace of God. Don't ever forget it, brother, sister. You didn't earn this position you have with God. We got it good.
We got it good. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. I'm going to ask you to turn to page 38 in your hymn book. As our pianist comes, I, I, uh, 37, sorry, page number 37. I want to sing a song rather than an invitation today. This sermon's a little different. I tried not to give you anything deep, but rather one singular thought. We've got it good. And I want to sing number 37 with you. Afterwards, we'll pray and dismiss. But I want to hear you sing, How Great Thou Art. And let's just try to remind the Lord of how good He's been to us. Page number 37, How Great Thou Art. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe displayed. Amen. Now let me hear you sing. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art. How great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art. How great Thou art. On the third verse. And when I think that God is Son not sparing, sent Him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross my burden gladly bearing, He bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. When Christ shall come with shouts, of acclamation and take me home what joy shall fill my heart then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim my God, how great Thou art. Amen. Now sing. Then sings my soul, my Savior.
Savior God to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Hey, Father, thank You this morning. Thank You. You are greater than our words can tell. Father, You're better than any song we can sing. Lord, the fact that you would send your son to die in my place, in our place, to pay for our sins, to make salvation a free gift. God, we never, we never could have earned our way back to you. No matter how hard we try, Lord, no matter how fervent our service, it would never be enough. Lord, thank you for coming down to us. And God, you've been so good to us, we can't even comprehend it. Your love, your peace, it passes all understanding passes all knowledge forever and ever God the name is written in heaven Lord we we fall short of giving you the glory you deserve now but we look forward to the day one day when we bow in humble adoration and get to say how great thou art Lord until that time help us God daily day, daily to rejoice in what you've done for us oh God thank you Thank you for being so good to us. We've got it good, Lord. We may, we may not know how good, but we know we have it good. And we have you to thank for it. Thank you. Thank you, God. Please dismiss us with your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right.